Greatest Journey Discipleship Program is a wonderful way for children to know who Jesus is, to grow in that faith, but then to go and share it with others. This is a tool that will allow children to become evangelists and to multiply followers of Christ around the world. After the children receive their shoebox gift, they are invited to participate in a 12-lesson discipleship course called The Greatest Journey. During The Greatest Journey, the children will learn Bible stories, play fun activities, and learn memory verses that help them get to know who Jesus is and then become equipped to share that faith with others. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Every teacher attends a Greatest Journey training and receives a teacher guide that complements the student workbook. The training equips the teacher to disciple children and ultimately to help children get to know Jesus better and to walk with Him and follow Him. During the graduation, the children will receive their very own personalized certificate saying that they completed all 12 lessons of The Greatest Journey and they will receive their very own Greatest Journey New Testament Bible. For many children, this will be the first Bible that their family has ever owned. With their Greatest Journey certificate in one hand and their Greatest Journey New Testament Bible in the other, children who graduate from the Greatest Journey are now equipped to go out and share the gospel with friends, family, and others in their community. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone this morning. Um, we're so excited that you're here, especially if you're a guest this morning. I hope everyone got a bulletin, a lot of always important things in there, announcements, uh, the, uh, the form to fill out for today's message. Uh, if you are a guest, we'd love to just get in touch with you and let you know that uh, we're glad that you came to visit. So if you could take this tear-off tab, fill it out, and drop it in the offering plate as it goes by, and that can be your gift to us this morning. Um, there are many things going on here at Broadway Baptist Church. I think, you know, I know Daniel always gives uh, some uh, updates at the end, but next Sunday is our, next Sunday night's our Thanksgiving meal, right? All right, so we got that coming up. Lots of, uh, lots of things upcoming. Check the church website. Always check the church website. You'll, you'll see what's going on, and uh, we know a lot of you are on Facebook, uh, so you know, stay up to date on what's happening because there's a lot, especially as the holidays get, uh, really get rolling. Uh, let's, let's keep our minds uh, ready and see what is upcoming at Broadway with our ministry. So if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Y'all be seated, okay? I don't recall ever doing this in a worship service, but I do want to explain something. The organ is an instrument that a lot of people don't know a lot about, but back several years ago when we 
got a newer organ to replace the old one that came from that building over there. Uh, Bill Jones, well, several, I'll start, if I start naming names, I'll forget someone, but several people helped run wires from back there to up here to over there to these sound chambers. An organ has three manuals, so the way our current organ's set up, thanks to those guys doing all that work, the great manual comes from the speakers back here in the baptistry. Uh, the swell comes from those over there, and, and the choir manual, there's three manuals, so they're each three, and then there's an antiphonal back there. That took a lot of work on several men's part to crawl through the attic, get all that done. So sometimes we get to enjoy the benefit of that. Now I gave you that great introduction to say this, Betty Hensinger is in Kansas today uh, for a family member's wedding, and I'm, you all pray for her. She drove out, she's got a long drive back out north of Hayes, Kansas, out in the middle of the plains out there. But I'm delighted today to have Matthew West. Matthew's been with us many times. I'm always glad when he's here. Uh, because he really does utilize the organ to its, to its capacity. So we're going to have him play a prelude as we begin our worship this morning. Let's let Matthew play a prelude.
great hymn, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. Would you please stand as we sing? of your power, of your omnipotence, your righteousness, your love, your grace, and your mercy. And to know, our Father, that you're in control of this world today. We may feel it's in chaos and confusion, but you're in control. And we bow before you this morning to acknowledge you and to praise you and to glorify your name and to seek our Father your guidance, your wisdom, and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray today and give thanks for each person that is gathered here this morning. We know there are many needs. There are those special times of difficulty in life. 
There are those of our church family that are particularly in the days of grief, the loss of loved ones. There are those that rejoice with new births. And we give you praise and thanks for each. And Father, we come this morning to thank you for the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that was spilt on Calvary's cross, that we lost sinful people could have hope and assurance of forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. We praise and glorify you. We give you all the praise and the glory. And Father, this morning I pray for our pastor as he shares your word with us. Help us to have open hearts and ears to hear and then our Father, use us in the weeks that are ahead to share your good news. Father, the week that lies before us is a special week, an important week in the life and history of our nation. And Father, we pray that we as Christians will be faithful in going to the polls and voting this week. Father, I believe this is a crisis time in our nation. We need your guidance. We need your direction. Direct us, O oh God. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen.
Take the name of Jesus with you. Let's sing that hymn together.
presence among us. Today, Lord, we have so many things to be thankful for, but uh, one thing right now, Lord, I'd like to thank you for the color you painted this earth right now. Only you could be the master of those colors. Lord, now we take this time to take up an offering to support your work throughout our town, our state, and our community and the world. Just ask you to bless each offering we get. Thank you in Christ's name I ask. Amen. <laughs>
Thank you, Miss Gail. Thank you so much for that. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. You certainly want to turn there. Then a little bit, we're going to flip over our Bibles and we're going to look at the book of Titus. So we're going to look at two passages here in our New Testaments about what God says. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to preach on the next two Sundays. <clears throat> to this morning, we are going to look at the danger of a divisive spirit. That's this morning's message. And then next Sunday... On Veterans Day, I'm going to preach on and teach on the danger of the God and country prosperity gospel. <clears throat> and here's what that means. We are not saved if we vote Republican, love the American flag, and we claim we believe in God. That is not biblical salvation. And we have to know what does it mean to be saved, yet also respect our country and understand the difference between the two. You need to make sure you have a bulletin here. Um, you need to pull out in your bulletin. You want to follow along your bulletin insert here. We will reference this later on. The danger of a divisive spirit. That's what we're going to look at this morning. This is something, when we hear about a divisive spirit, especially in church, you might think, oh, there's disunity, oh, there's, uh, there's internal fighting, oh, there's problems. But the thing about, thing about life, whether you're at church, work, family, uh, a marriage, a dating relationship, you will have conflict and people who disagree and who actually create a divisive spirit. In fact, you don't have to go far in finding a divisive spirit. Uh, I, I check the mail if I beat the kids to it, and, um, and I want to read you some of this uh, incredible mail I've received. I know you've received this stuff too. <clears throat> and um, this, uh, this stirs people up, I guess. But even before I read that, this week in the news I saw uh, the ice cream company, Ben & Jerry's came out with a new flavor called Resist. And that's uh, it's part of their resistance movement to oppose the president. So that's, that stirs people up when even the ice cream that you go to Kroger and buy, it even has, uh, it, it even has an agenda right here. All right, uh, your vote can stop Nancy Pelosi and the angry liberal mob. So that there, that stirs you up when you get it. <clears throat> Next piece of mail here. Um, I am further left, and I am more progressive than anybody in the state of Kentucky. That tells us who are, uh, These next two are good, be good. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are coming for your guns. <laughs> Man, this afternoon, you're going to get that knock at the door. Turn them over. <laughs> They're mine. And this is my favorite here. It's hard to stay healthy with Andy Barr and Matt Bevan in charge of our health care. All this time I've always thought I was overweight because I'm eating too much Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But the real truth is it's because of Matt Bevan and Andy Barr. That's the reason we're overweight this morning. But you, you open the mail and this is the type of stuff. You turn on the TV and all this does is it creates, it creates division. They want to rile you up, create an a, a, create a, a anger inside of you, I guess to go to the polls, or to oppose someone else. But the truth is, life, we are gonna, you will have, no matter what you do, there is going to be conflict. There is going to be issues with other folks. And the Bible talks to us very clearly about how to deal with and how to confront of divisiveness. This morning, Sherry and I were standing in front of the mirror getting dressed, and uh, she was putting her dress on and putting a necklace on, and uh, she told me, says, Daniel, uh, 
hey, do you like this necklace? I said, yeah, I'll share, I like that necklace a lot. I bought it for you a few years ago. I said, no, you didn't. My mom got it. I said, nope. I bought that necklace for you. I remember. She said, no, you didn't. I, my mama bought this necklace. So we're sitting there uh, arguing about who bought the necklace. I finally said, Sherry, I know I bought it for you because I'm still paying for it on the credit card. So that's my necklace. I bought it. <laughs> anyway, but I, so no matter what you're doing, even getting dressed for church, you can find yourself in a fight and an argument. The Bible tells us, we're going to look here, Romans chapter 16, we're going to see what the Bible says about a divisive spirit, then we're going to flip over and we're going to look here at uh, Titus chapter 3. So um, uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles. Verse 17, it says here, Now I urge you, now Paul is writing this to the church in Rome, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teachings that you have learned. So that means there's folks who do this. Now the teachings that you have learned are the Bible. You've learned what God has told you. you learned what's right and wrong. But there will be these folks that will come along and they will teach you. You will be... In, infiltrated with different ideas. Now look what it says here. Latter part of verse 17. Avoid them. Because such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. What is a divisive spirit? A divisive spirit... <clears throat> is someone who argues, someone who plays devil, devil's advocate. Have you ever heard say, so, you know, someone, do you, know, you know there's an opposing view to everything? Everything in the world has an opposing view. No matter where you go, there's another side to something. You can find any church in the world that will teach what you want to hear. They're out there. <coughs> you might have to find them, but they, they exist. People who cause problems, that's a divisive person. And just a person who's critical of everything around them. And it's easy to be a critic. It doesn't take much at all. But when we talk about a divisive spirit, this is that type of person. They play devil's advocate. They go around arguing to people. They cause trouble. And not only that, they're just critics of everything. Any and everything, they can be a critic. And they're going to let you know the opposing view. And the, the challenge with this is our Bibles tell, warn us about folks who go around creating division. And now, obviously here, he was probably, he's obviously writing to a church there in Rome. Paul's writing this. So he's warning this church about people who come into a church and create division. And it's certainly true. Anybody can come into a church and stir up anything, start teaching false doctrine and, and lead people astray. Um, but this can go on anywhere. Um, this, this, this can happen even within your family, in your daily life, with who you live with in your home. You can have divisive family members and obviously have great divisions. It's sad that you probably know family members that they just do not talk to each other or they just are not close because something happened in the past. The problem with the divisive spirit Divisive people, they, um, the problem with divisions is it leads to something deeper. It causes people to become angry, 
you get angry. You know, this mail that you receive, that may come get your guns, you're going to get angry about that. But then it doesn't end with anger. It moves to bitterness. You become bitter. You actually begin to hate people. You hate the Democrats. You hate these politicians. You hate the people who represent you in Washington. And literally it boils up. If only we had the right people in Frankfurt and in Washington. If only the church would do what I want. And literally you become a, you filled with rage. And the Lord is looking at you thinking, who have you become? Who are you? You should be having joy because Jesus saved you on a cross. <coughs> one of the things what we're about to see when you look in our bulletin insert, do you know the devil is the one behind division? He is the real enemy. He's the one who comes about and wants to create so seeds of discord and to get people who become bitter. There's nothing more than the devil would want. You know, bitterness leads to divorce. Bitterness leads to uh, broken relationships. Bitterness leads to children who are mad at their parents because their mom and dad won't buy them the new iPhone or they won't have give them enough money. And they get angry about it. This is what it leads to. But it starts with, it starts with a divisive spirit. And it moves to anger. And it moves from anger all the way down to bitterness. And then ultimately, hatred. And you hate that person. The Bible's telling us here, verse 17, if someone comes along and they're teaching something opposed to what you've been taught with, that you know that's right and true, it says to avoid them. I think about Adam and Eve. Remember back in the very beginning of our Bible, Genesis chapter 3, God told Adam and Eve, now of all the people, all the fruit here, all the trees, do not eat from this one tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Well, one day Eve was sitting there looking at the fruit, and a serpent that talked came along and said, Eve, did God really say for you not to eat of this fruit? Did God really say? That's how you question God. Once you start going down that road, does God really believe homosexuality is wrong? Does God really believe that we shouldn't get divorced? Does God really believe that premarital sex is immoral? Once you start asking that question, does God really believe? Does the Bible really teach? Once you put the word really in there, you are going down a road, church, that you can come up with any answer you want. And that's what happened in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is the danger of questioning God. Once you begin to question God's Word and question what the Lord wants you to do, you will find yourself in sin. You will find yourself disobeying the Lord. And it, it talks about here, verse 18, Divisive people in verse 18, it says, They do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but our own appetites. Now obviously, we don't talk like that, their appetites. What he means is their agenda. They have an agenda. They're not 
they're not after the Lord's will in their life, a divisive person. They want to make their point of view. They have an agenda. There's people all around. Everybody who paid for this mail right here, they had an agenda. This stuff's not an accident. They just Someone paid for this and sent it to your house and my house. Every time you turn on the TV and you watch any ad, there's an agenda that's being pitched. And that's what, that's what God is telling us. We have to be careful because we go around our whole world and we have different agendas coming our way. And those agendas attack God's Word. And the Bible's telling us we have to avoid these people with an agenda. If you meet someone and they have ulterior motives, they're really your friend because they want to sell you a new car. Or they want to, they want to date your daughter or your granddaughter. That new boyfriend you met, why is he so friendly? He doesn't, he wouldn't even speak to me two years ago. Now he's my best friend. Well, he has an agenda. He's trying to win, he's trying to win grandma all over. That's, that's the goal here that, uh, that we have to watch out for. And it says, they deceive the hearts, that's us, with unsuspecting, with smooth talk and flattering words. That is what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. The serpent questioned, right there, went after Eve, did God really say? Flip in your Bibles over here, flip over to the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3. Titus should be a few, uh, few pages to the right after 1st and 2nd Timothy. The Bible goes on to tell us here, it gives us more instruction on about how we have to be careful and to avoid foolishness, conversations, and guard ourselves ab about who we're talking to. Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Now Paul is writing here to Titus, writing to Timothy, uh, a young servant who's uh, starting a church there in Ephesus, and he's, he's telling them about the type of conversations and th different types of people that you're going to meet. So follow along your Bibles. Titus chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. Last three verses we're going to read this morning. Verse 9, it says... But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law, because they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and a second warning. For you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. We see here, this, our, our Bible verse is telling us, we have to guard ourselves. And he says the first thing we have to do is avoid foolish debates. <coughs> I'll never remember, or I will remember when I was in college. I was a religion major at Sanford, and I was a freshman, and um, I was 18, 19 years old. And we had our college ministry. We had Monday night college Bible study. And we had this guy, he was at Beeson Divinity School. He was a seminary student. He was about five or six years older than me. And he was, um, was the teacher. He was our college minister. And we'd have money out, I would say. And I was, I was, what happened is after he would teach on a lesson, I would go up to him. And I remember, I had been in class for a month. And you know, college students know everything. And I came up to him after every class, whatever he taught on, and I would point out the opposing view or the other view on that. And I did this for about four or five weeks. And finally, he came to me and says, Daniel, 
Just let, tell God your problems. I don't want to hear it anymore. I was that guy. Do you know that guy that if you say something, they come up to you and they want to tell you the opposing view or everything you forgot or the, uh, another angle to approach you at? I was that guy for about four or five weeks. And I realized I never want to be this person again. I don't want to be that guy. And I share this because I was finding myself in foolish arguments. I didn't even care about what I was talking about. I had been to college for four weeks and I knew everything. That's literally was my mindset. And that is what the Bible's telling us here in Titus 3.9. Guys, avoid this. You can debate anything. You can debate it to the ground. And then just walk away and nobody's changed their mind. Go, what a waste of three hours. What a waste of a conversation. Listen, a lot of times when someone's mind is made up, when someone has made a decision, you know... They're not going to change a lot of times. Unless the Lord changes them, they aren't. They're stubborn people. They said, this is what I'm going to do. Unless Jesus appears, I'm not changing. And the Bible's telling us we have to guard ourselves about unprofitable and worthless conversations. You or I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we can find ourselves sucked into this stuff. We find ourselves in debates and quarrels and useless conversations. And the Lord is telling you, no, that's not for my people. That's not for my chosen. Those aren't for my belief, my, my followers. <clears throat> we have to guard our language in saying, is, are my conversations, are my words being used to uplift the Lord and lead people to Jesus? Or am I finding myself sucked into today's politics? Sucked into whatever the, the national crisis is. Let me, you turn on the TV. And guys, I find myself getting sucked into this. Tuesday is the most important election in the history of mankind. Yesterday's football game was the biggest football game in the history of Kentucky football ever in the universe. It literally, you just go, whatever event is occurring is the greatest and most important event in the entire world. And you will find yourself believing this stuff, thinking this is so important. I have to go vote. Do you know what? In 2020, you know what's going to happen? It is going to be not just, it's going to be the greatest, not just the greatest election in the United States, it's the greatest election in the whole world. All the other 212 countries need to be wishing they could vote in our 2020 election. You get sucked into this, how important and a priority this is. If only they could have won. If only my candidate can do this. If only this is going to occur for me. And the Bible says, guard yourself against this. Listen, we have assurance until Jesus comes back, this world will be here. We know that. Jesus tells us. And not only that, we should be serving and living for Him. Listen, as much as you might like one political party or candidate, He's not going to change America. Only the Lord can do that. Only Jesus can save folks and change people's hearts. We need to, we need to watch our conversations saying, have I been sucked into... Whatever the latest 
breaking news is. And the Bible's telling us, is this a worthless conversation? Now this is what we do. Verse 10, look at this here in your Bible. Verse 10 says, Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. That means, if David Humlong here on front row is he's being divisive, if he's picking an argument, if he's just wanting to debate all the time, I just have to, you have to go say, David, man, that's, that's, that's enough. Man, take your complaints to the Lord. I can't solve all this stuff. Let Jesus handle this. And then he continues doing it. And David just wants to keep nitpicking, because you can nitpick to death on anything. You, you warn them a second time, and then the third time, after two times of warning someone, the Bible says you just avoid them, saying, I'm not going to hang out with this guy anymore. He, he just wants, he is there to start an argument. I want you all to know something. There's probably people in your life, people you work with, you need to go that first time. And you have to go talk to them, saying all, going around gossip, complaining, bickering, picking a fight, creating dissension at the office, among your family. Guys, if you, church, if you do not confront it, it will continue. The Bible's telling us you have to confront this stuff, it's sin. And you do it in a kind way. You don't go there in a war room. You just say, hey, man, you've got to chill out. You, can't, you don't need to be going around griping all the time about this. Look, if you don't like the person, just don't be their friend. Don't hang out with them. If you don't like the candidate, don't vote for them. At some point, you just have to cut it out. It's enough. We, we know what you believe. I know your point of view. But what happens, I'm going to tell you believers, what happens? If you do not confront, the Bible says you must confront a divisive person. Two times. After two times, you stop. Do you remember back in um, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gave us the command, the strategy of how to confront conflict. If, you, if someone is creating conflict, if there's sin in the camp, if there's sin among two people, you go to that person face-to-face, one-on-one. You don't bring army people. You don't write all over Facebook. And you don't, you don't slander them through an email. You go to that person one-on-one and say, hey, I want you to know, you said this, or maybe I misunderstood, you did this. And I, it was hurtful, and I feel it was wrong in what, what the Scriptures say. <clears throat> and if they repent, amen. You, they've been restored to fellowship, the Bible says. If they continue to do it, you bring a second person with you. Maybe a deacon, maybe a friend, a leader, a Sunday school club. You go to that person and say, hey, brother, I, we just need to talk about something. I spoke to you a month ago. This is continuing. It's not, there's sin involved here. And then after the second time, if they still don't repent and do it, it says you bring them before the church. And what that means is, at that point, it becomes public. Say, hey, we have an issue. But the all-conflict resolution, the way to confront Someone with a divisive spirit is one-on-one. That's where it begins. Doesn't start with other people. Doesn't start with your family. It starts with you and that person. Jesus is giving us, the Bible is giving us, the ultimate solution for conflict resolution. You want to resolve conflict? You want to confront a divisive person? It starts face-to-face, one-on-one. That's where everything begins.
That's how you talk to your children. That's how you talk to your grandchildren. That's, that is a solution the Scripture's telling us. It says here, verse 11, it says, For you know that such a person has gone astray in his sinning. He is self-condemned. What that means is someone who has an agenda, someone who has a selfish desire with their divisiveness, they've literally, at some point, you say, they're between, that's between them and the Lord. You, only God can change other people's hearts. Our job as believers, as Christians, we let them know what the Scripture says, we talk to them one-on-one, you confront it face-to-face, after two times, says, hey, God, it's yours. I've talked to this person, I try to teach them the right way, what the Scriptures say, let them know they hurt others, and Lord, if they're continuing doing it, that's between you and the Lord. Now pull your, um, pull your white piece of paper out. <clears throat> I want to go through these real quick. This is what we see here. This is your bulletin insert. The danger of a divisive person. Divisive people are unteachable. They're unteachable. They aren't really there to learn. They're there to promote <coughs> um, their agenda. They're an, un- they're an unteachable person. Um, one of the, I want to tell you the dangers of being unteachable. And this can happen with age. As you age, you can find yourself becoming more and more hardened to other people. And the reason why is you have made it through life, you have uh, made good decisions possibly, and you've gotten this far, you can make it. When you become unteachable, you're actually closing yourself off to the Lord. Not only can other people not teach you, the Lord can't teach you. And you no longer hear from God. Unteachable, an unteachable spirit is a dangerous spirit to be in. And you have to ask yourself, God, have I become unteachable? Have I closed my spirit? Lord, am I... And here's how you know if you're not... If you aren't learning, if God isn't teaching you new things, if you haven't grown the past year, two, three in the Lord, that might be you, you have an unteachable spirit. You've closed your heart to the Lord. Because God does teach us. He's the great... The Bible says one of His titles is the teacher. Number two... A divisive person is always ready to criticize. They are. They always have a critical word to say. I don't want to say something about criticism. Here's how you know. Um, Look at that first bullet point. If you never give someone the benefit of doubt, once you see something, if you smile in the back of your mind thinking, I knew they were a phony I knew that that person was going to do that. If you are a cynical and critical person, that means you never give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's hard to stay healthy with Andy Barr and Matt Bevan in charge of our health care. Well, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the reason I'm not healthy is because of these politicians. Now, that benefit of the doubt might only last... Until Tuesday, until the next legislative session, but you, you read something and think, hmm, you know, I guess if that's what they're saying, but at some point, if what they're saying doesn't line up with what truth is and what the scriptures say, then at that point they become a divisive person. But if you never give people, if every single time you see something and you read it or you hear it, 
and you're always a cynical person towards it, you will find yourself being a lifelong critic. And you go from church to the restaurant to the football game in the afternoon to the basketball game on Tuesday, whatever it is, you're constantly going to be critical of what you're watching or what you're participating in. Because you're a cynic. No one gets the benefit of the doubt. Number three, divisive people view other folks as enemies. Listen, our enemy is the devil. The Bible says he is a roaring lion. 1 Peter 3, 9 says he's a roaring lion out to devour us. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to make you a useless Christian for the kingdom of God. He is someone who's out to get you. That's our enemy. Our, our enemies are not one another. The enemy is the devil. God has created all humans with a soul. That's what it means in the Bible to be made in the image of God. That means when human beings pass away, they will live in either heaven with Jesus or in hell with the devil. Heaven or hell. That means to be eternal. We have an eternal soul. The image of God. God is eternal. So he doesn't have a beginning or an end. That's what it means to be made in his. This is what separates us from the animal world. Animals do not live forever. I know some of the Bible does say there are going to be lions in heaven and certain heavenly creatures, but that's, that's another sermon. That's a Wednesday night Bible study uh, to study the, the heavenly creatures. But our, the animals we see around here, that's what separates us from this is why there is an urgency for you and I to talk to other folks about the Lord. Because maybe they might, maybe they might be, uh, have completely different views than we do, but Jesus died for them on the cross. Jesus loves them. He knows there's people who should be here hearing this sermon. He knows there should be people in His house who need to accept Him as their Lord and Savior of their life. That's what it means. Other folks... The enemy is not people, it's, it's the devil. Look at the second bullet point. An enemy of God, look at this, is someone who refuses to yield to the Lordship of Christ. That's Romans 5.10. The Bible says, who's the enemy of the Lord? It's those who've rejected Jesus Christ. That's the problem here. <clears throat> look here up on the screen, I want to show you. Why don't we confront divisive people? I want to give you three reasons why we don't. This is what happens to us. There's a fear of offending other folks. Some of you know there's divisive folks in your life that are in direct conflict with what the Bible says and they're sowing seeds of discord in your family or at work or maybe in church. And you just don't, don't want to offend them. You don't want to go there. But the Bible says you, it starts with you have to confront them two times. It starts with one. There's a fear of offending. Number two, <clears throat> we've been overcome by moral compromise. What that means is all of a sudden, what we used to believe, maybe at one point, was we were very convictional about it because we just feel, well, the world's changed. That's just not how things are anymore. We just don't talk about that. No, listen, if, the, if it's important to God and Jesus, if they put in the Bible, if it's important to the Lord, it should be important to you. If it's important enough to be in God's Word that we hold our faith and our life to, it should be important to us. And we can't fall into this trap of moral compromise. God, if God says it, it's the truth. 
maybe if we don't live by it, but we know in heaven it certainly will, we will be held accountable for it. Number three, they're sarcastic. Look, sarcasm is dangerous. A sarcastic person can say something very hateful and hurtful, even sinful, and you throw some humor in there or try to make it somewhat humorous, and it hurts. Sarcastic people are actually divisive people. And you know, whatever someone, whenever someone says something sarcastically, you know, they actually mean it. It's just a nice way of saying it uh, uh, in front of you. But sarcasm divides folks. And it, it hurts. And you know, if you go confront someone, they're going to fire right back. But listen, if you don't confront a divisive person who has a divisive spirit, they will continue on their rampage. Last thing, pull out your white piece of paper again. I hope you still had it. Here it is. Here are the five signs, and we'll conclude on this. The practical takeaways. The five signs someone has a divisive spirit. So remember also look at yourself. It's easy to look at those other people, but what about you? Could I have a divisive spirit? Are, am I sowing seeds of bitterness and putting opposing people together and creating discord? Number one, divisive people, they come on too strong. They do. If you meet someone for the first time, or maybe you work with them, or the first time you meet them, they're already proposing to you, and think, whoa, man, where did this guy come from? That should be a red flag. If someone comes on too strong, too soon, there, there might be some more behind there. That's, number two, they give you advice when you first meet them. If you're a mess of mine, you don't even know their name, they're already telling you what to do. They've solved all of your problems. They know everything for you. You just need to obey and listen to them. That's another, these are red flags to folks. Their folks are giving you advice and you don't even know Number three, they tell rather than being asked. If someone is readily available to volunteer their opinion on everything, and you don't even want it, say, I didn't ask you, I'm sorry. This, and they're eagerly, excitedly wanting to share with you their vast knowledge of every subject on earth, that means they're likely a divisive person. And the Bible warns us about this. You don't even want to know. They want to be the center of attention. That means they have, a, they have an agenda or they, they, lo they love it. And number five here, this is important. So a divisive person has a track record of broken relationships. If they burned bridge after bridge, friendship after friendship, marriage after marriage, job after job, do you know what that means? You're next. You're in the next fire. You're in the next broken relationship. That's, that's what people with a divisive spirit do this. It's not a secret. They just, you look at their track record. They can't get along with their kids. Can't get along with their family. Can't get along with anybody they work with. Can't get along with, but they love you. You're next. They'll be talking about you in a year and a half. You'll be the next story. You'll get in the line. And the Bible's telling us, instead of allowing a divisive person just plow on through, and make, 
a path, war path of destruction, we as believers are called to confront them. And we do it with our Bibles. And we say, you shouldn't be gossiping. You shouldn't be slandering. You shouldn't be talking this way. Guys, this is serious. Because this doesn't, it doesn't just create conflict in church. It creates conflict at work, at home, in the family. And you will just go about, you'll get in the car, and you say, well, we can't go over to Grandma's house because she's mad about this. And we can't call the kids because they're upset we didn't send them a birthday present. It just goes down the line. And you're walking on eggshells all the time. Listen, as believers, we rally and unite under the cross. That's our banner. That's our, that's our rallying cry. We follow the Lord. He's who we answer to. And we are, it's sad that so many born-again believers are sitting on the sidelines, are sitting in pews this morning, and they're bitter and angry at other people. They've lost the focus of who the enemy is. The enemy's the devil. The enemy's pulling people away from the Lord and sinning, trying to get them to go to hell. And we have to realize our focus is on the Lord, and we point people to Jesus in everything we do. This morning, I want to tell you, many of you, you're going to hear a sermon like this, and you're going to think of someone else. We all know people who fit this category. You can look at this and smile, say, oh, those people I work with, <clears throat> my wife, my husband, those kids, grandkids, you, that, that's just how they are. What about you? God, could I be a divisive person? Is the spirit of division come about me? Listen, if you're slandering or gossiping about other people, that is divisiveness right there. If you've already spoken bad about someone else, you have created division. And the Bible says it's sinful and wrong. And we're to repent of that. And someone is to confront you about it. And I could be confronting you this morning about it. The Lord could be confronting you about it. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, our class studied what Hezekiah did. Isaiah came to Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 38. And Isaiah showed up to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, who's the king of Judah, get your household in order because you're about to die. Go ahead and get your will ready. And do you know what Hezekiah did? Instead of making fun of Isaiah, instead of shooting the messenger, instead of saying, well, I'm going to I'm going to start, I, I don't like this prophet after all. Who is this Isaiah? Who, how dare you come into the king's chamber and tell me I'm going to die? I'm going to kill you. Do you know what Hezekiah did? He went and faced the wall. He turned his back towards the wall. That's, and he prayed. Now you say, why would someone go and face the wall? Pretend, I know it's the piano, but pretend it was the wall. I don't want to walk back there. I got I got it. Wait till the election to see if I can lose my weight to, uh, so I can see who to vote for to walk back there. <clears throat> what he meant by that is when you face the wall, there's no distractions. You're not, when your prayer life and you're focused only against a wall or a piano or a tree, and it's you and the Lord, there's no phone, there's no other people, there's no other prophet, it's you and the Lord. Listen, I want y'all to hear this. When God speaks to you, and you have, you have sin that you need, to, 
you need to deal with. When you've been confronted about something, we need to respond like Hezekiah responded. He went directly to God and faced the wall, says, God, I want to get along with you. I have become a man that I don't want to be. I've become that guy. I have developed an awful spirit. I have developed sinful tendencies. My mouth is slandering and gossiping about others. Lord, forgive me. When God called Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 to be a prophet, do you know what Isaiah said? He says, Lord, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. He had slandered other people. He had gossiped and hurt other people. Who am I to proclaim God's word? Lord, make purify my mouth. Listen, divisiveness comes out of our mouth. If your mouth and your words and your language is not bringing glory and pointing people to Christ, this is you in these, this Bible. You have found yourself trapped and sucked into foolish, useless conversations. You've bought the lie from the devil hook, line, and sinker. In church, you need to repent of it. Revival begins with me. Change starts with you. It's easy to look at other people, but what about me? God, is there a spirit of divisiveness inside me? Lord, I pray for the folks this morning. Lord, open up our hearts just like you did Hezekiah. Lord, when he was confronted with death, he stood against the wall and cried out to you. Lord, I pray we'll face the wall this morning with no other distractions around. Lord, it's so easy to blame any and everyone for things going on. Lord, you are speaking to us. I pray this morning, if there's folks here that have developed and maybe uh, inherited a divisive spirit, <coughs> Lord, we repent of that. Lord, we cry out to you. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's someone here that needs to respond, Lord, about this subject, it might not be something they come publicly for, Lord, purify them in the pew. They cry out to you and call out, Lord, cleanse them just like you did with Isaiah. You took a piece of coal and touched his lips and made him pure. Lord, make us pure this morning. Let our words bring glory to you. Lord, this invitation is yours. God, we surrender all. Lord, we give this, whatever you do in our life. We pray we have the boldness and the power to respond publicly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. David Dale is going to lead us in our song. We're, we sing a hymn. The way we do our invitations, I stand out front, and this is your opportunity to respond. Now, you might not respond publicly to have a divisive spirit. That's between you and the Lord. But if you want to join our church, you want to get baptized, if you want to make a rededication, if you want to make this your church home, this is your time to do business with God. So we're going to stand together, and we're going to sing our songbook. Hymn number 249, Jesus Paid It All. David's going to lead us in our song. I'll be standing down front. 249. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength in me is fall. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it Oh.
share with us. Next Sunday is Veterans Day. Tell us what's going on next week. present a flag. I believe it's going to Bill Lucas, so we'll present Bill with the flag. So I don't, I don't know if Bill's here uh, this morning, but we will we'll present. I believe he was in the Air Force. So with that, a couple of announcements, some things going on um, uh, this coming, uh, four announcements here, and we'll go through them quickly. This coming Tuesday, remember two months ago we baptized Mr. Steve House. He was 89 years old, oldest person I ever baptized. He passed away a couple days ago, and I commend him so much because his health was starting to fail, and he, one of his decisions before he went to be the Lord, he said, Daniel, I want to receive believer's baptism, and he did. So um, he was baptized in August, and he went to be with the Lord about three days ago. Anyway, our church is feeding. Her, uh, his uh, wife's name is Sue House. Uh, we're feeding the family at 3.30. The funeral's at 1.30, and um, we're going to feed the family at 3.30. So if you're able to bring some food, I know, um, I know they'd appreciate that. So that's on, on Tuesday, Election Day. 
So that's when that is. Also, um, this coming Thursday, we have a group, uh, one of the ministries we help support, there's a school over in Clay, Clay County called Oneida Baptist Institute. We're going to go over there and bring um, some Walmart gift cards as well as I'll be speaking at chapel. So if you want to ride over to Oneida, it's a day trip. We'll leave at 7 o'clock, very early. Um, we'll leave at 7. Ben Biddle's going to drive the bus. And we'll be back about 4 or 5. It's on Thursday. So if you want to go, uh, just let myself or Ben. Ben, will you raise your hand so you know that uh, Ben's right there? Let him know that he, you can ride on the bus on Thursday. It'll be a day trip that we're taking down there. If you received a shoebox we gave away a few weeks ago, we need them back next week. They'll do back on Veterans Day. You just bring them. You can just turn them in downstairs to Interest B or out here because we have to get them over to, um, the following week over to Porter Memorial Baptist Church. So that's where they go from here. So we've already, we are, they had a packing party last week and packed 226 or so. So uh, we'll have a great, a great number of shoeboxes that we're going to give to the Operation Christmas Child. Also, next Sunday is our annual Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to be on Veterans Day. This is a great event for you and your family. It's going to be at 6 o'clock. It's on November 11th. There's no service. It's a Thanksgiving dinner. It's downstairs. Now, darling, we provide the turkey, and folks bring... What? Do we need to bring anything? Sides and dessert. So uh, we will have lots of food, and it's going to be a fantastic time, uh, well attended. Um, so go ahead and get that on your calendar. Next Sunday, free meal, 6 o'clock. Miss Judy Taylor, come stand up here real quick. <clears throat> You know, God certainly has been moving and speaking, and I want to share, Joe, you come stand up here as well. Her, uh, uh, um, okay. This is Miss Judy Taylor. She wanted to announce she rededicated her life to the Lord this morning. It's something she had... <laughs> God's been doing a work in her life, and she, uh, <clears throat> myself, Brother Hurd, spoke to her as a decision she felt. Uh, that she needed to make public. I even asked her, I said, do you want to make this public? And she certainly did. And you know, I want to explain what a rededication is. A rededication is a decision you're making. It says, Lord, I'm a believer, but for whatever reason, maybe I haven't uh, been making godly decisions or been living for you. And this point on, I'm going to make a recommitment and, um, and, uh, and I'm going to become a new person. I'm going to get back on the right track. It's a decision that many of us need to make. I'm very proud of her for actually making it public. And I want to tell you why we want to make it public is because you're letting other people hold you accountable for that. And that's what she wanted. So this is Miss Judy Taylor this morning coming to read that in class. So Judy, we are excited about for your decision for her. Amen. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. If you want to, you're certainly welcome. Come forward here and congratulate Judy on her decision, her and Joe, and let her know her, her rededicating her life. Lord, Dave is going to uh, uh, close us here with a song. We'll close singing Precious Name. <clears throat> Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name. 